Good morning, everyone. My name is Alex. I'm the lead pastor here at Courtright Church. And again, when we say here, it's a weird experience these days. But back in February, it wasn't. Do you remember February? Last weekend's weather might have been helpful in remembering February, but hopefully we've put that behind us. Today, we're going back to February, even though it feels like it was 100 years ago. And we're going to go back to a passage we looked at on February the 9th, the Sunday we dedicated our newly renovated sanctuary. Do you remember these chairs? You remember these soft, comfy chairs? Oh, we hardly knew you. These chairs are still out there right behind me in the sanctuary, but we're not able to use them. A couple of weeks ago, Allison in her sermon talked about being blessed as being like considering ourselves to be lucky bums. Well, depending on what you're sitting on right now at home, your bum may still be lucky, but we're not lucky bums enjoying these new chairs that we bought, and we're not meeting in our sanctuary right now, which is where we expected to be. God has surprised us. And you might think, what a strange twist of fate. Except, as Christians, we don't really believe in fate. Instead, we believe that God is the one who controls our destiny. And so when things that are unexpected happen to us, we try to figure out his purposes in that and to trust him through it. Like this pandemic, of course, is the most obvious example these days. Every Sunday since the pandemic began, and this is our 11th Sunday, having a service online, We've been reflecting on what God is doing and how to understand it. Most recently, we did that over four weeks in a sermon series looking at suffering. But today, we're going to focus especially on this idea of meeting together. And we're going to hear stories from you as well after the sermon, testimonies from our neighborhood groups. So here's the question for all of us today. What is the Holy Spirit leading us into when it comes to our calling to be the church? because things have changed. And we're not just waiting for this to be over so we can go back to normal, to the way things used to be. No, we're looking for what God is offering us as you might call it the new abnormal. And I trust that we're listening to God as we try to understand what all this means and how it can shape us. And we do that, most of all, by looking into God's word and listening to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do that right now. We'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 10 in a moment, but first let's pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth today and the meditations of all of our hearts, whether we're live or tuning in later, be not only acceptable to you, but also pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Help us to trust you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're gonna read from the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, verses 19 to 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. That was a room in the temple in Jerusalem. And since we have a great high priest, 
That's a reference to Jesus himself. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not give up meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. So when I preached on this passage back in February, played the song Our House by the English band Madness. We had an 80s theme going on while the reno was happening and we were worshiping in our gym back in the fall. It's a long story. I won't get into it right now. And I talked about how our church building is our house too. It's a house of worship. And I proudly quoted from the song. And this is the quote. I said, our house, it has a crowd. There's always something happening and it's usually quite loud. I was saying that our church is thriving and the building is busy all week. When I read that over a couple of weeks ago, I laughed out loud. The building sure isn't, build, isn't busy anymore. In February, I was boasting. You could think of it that way. I was boasting about our bigger and more beautiful new worship space and about how busy we are. I wasn't boasting in our weakness, as Justin talked about in his sermon last week. Well, since February, we've been humbled. We've been separated from our building. We can't use it anymore. Our house is empty, if you want to think of it that way. We've been scattered. You could even say that we're homeless. Or can you really say that? Today we're going to be looking at this passage in its three main parts. It starts with God and how Jesus shows us the way to God. Then it invites us to draw near to him, to enter into a relationship with God. And finally, it talks about our calling to be together, to be the church. So first God, then personal relationship with him through Christ, and then communal relationship with one another and ultimately with him. Okay, so the first thing is God. I could say a lot about that, but I won't today. These opening three verses remind us that our God is the God of Israel, and Hebrews was written to Jewish believers in Jesus. So, of course, it describes God using their language, using the language of temple worship in Jerusalem. I'm going to sum that up today by simply saying that God is way beyond us, way above us. God is the most powerful, beautiful, incredible thing in the universe. And here are some non-Jewish ways of describing that. Earlier this year, I watched the HBO TV series Chernobyl, and I absolutely loved it. There's one scene where the guy's dealing with the nuclear meltdown that happened at Chernobyl in, I think, 1986, realized that they need to find volunteers to go right into the reactor. And eventually, three people volunteer, and they wade through this incredibly dangerous radioactive water towards the core, and they know and we know it's going to kill them. It's pure power, and you can't approach it without dying and without being in danger. And in a way, God is like that. Or here's another way of describing it. I asked Callum to find a Marvel or a DC equivalent 
to this idea of God's otherness, God's holiness and power. And he said he was playing a video game, so he had a little council with his friends, and they agreed that either when Thanos snaps his fingers and obliterates half the universe, or when Thor shows up in Infinity Wars and has his new super hammer. Now, these comparisons may help, but they don't quite work because God is not a nuclear reactor. He's personal. And God is good, unlike Thanos. And God is all-powerful, unlike Thor, who doesn't save the day. And most of all, they don't work because God is real and he loves us. So how would you describe God to your friends who don't get him, who don't have faith themselves, and who might read this passage and not understand it at all? When your friend tells you that they're struggling, could you talk about having a hope that only in the end comes from God, who is so wonderful and powerful and so beyond us that he's able to save us, and who is also so loving and merciful that he did save us by sending his son Jesus to be a new and living way for us to come home to him. What are the images you would use, the analogies, the, the different ways of describing that? So that's the God part, and it's the foundation to this passage. Next comes the invitation to draw near, to be in relationship with God through Jesus. There's a lot in these three, in these, all these verses that we're looking at about our hearts. And that's because it's not enough to understand God and all the theological stuff that is important and, and that's a part of that. You also have to be open with him, with your emotions and in your heart, in the truth of who you are, what you feel. God's basically asking for your sincerity. It's only possible for us to be honest with him, to stop hiding from him because he has forgiven us. He has made it possible. He's taken away our guilt. It's like he's washed us, made us new. And this, these verses talk about that as well. And baptism is the symbol of that. And if you stick around after the service for the talkback session, maybe we can talk about the sacraments in a time of pandemic. But here's the, the analogy I've got for this today. We've all suffered in our lives. We've all been hurt by other people, perhaps hurt deeply. And as a result, we don't want to be open with people. And we don't want to be open with God, who at some level we may blame for the hurt and the pain we've gone through. So we build up our defenses. We put on armor, if you want to think of it that way. We don't let other people in. We keep them at a distance. It's not worth the risk. But as we do that, we get weighed down because armor is heavy. We slow down, we get stiff, we can't really move freely, and we end up alone. But Jesus is asking us, is inviting us to let down our guard. He's asking us to trust him. And I think he's using this pandemic to bring our hearts to the surface. Our emotions are out in the open more than ever these days. And, and those emotions are the truth of who we are, even if we usually hide them away. I've said this before on a Sunday morning and also in our neighborhood group that I've cried more over the past two months than I've ever done that before. And it's not weakness to cry. We sometimes think of it that way, but, but it's not. Or, or maybe in a way it is, but it's a good weakness. It's the kind of weakness that, that we looked at last Sunday, a weakness that God pours his strength and perfection into. So as you experience the emotions you're feeling these days, could you see them as God's way 
of waking you up to who he is, of taking you deeper into his love and his grace, of opening you to the reality of his presence in your life. It's an invitation to humility. It's an invitation to take off the, ow- the armor, to, to lower our defenses, to go from the hardness of our hearts to how we once were with hearts that are soft and supple with a lightness to our steps, no longer weighed down by our fears. Jesus is with you and he wants your heart. He wants it so he can love you more. Maybe this is the moment you've been waiting for to decide to let him in. Maybe you've been watching from a distance. Maybe you've been eavesdropping on Christian faith. Is this the time to get close and to let him get close? I would encourage you to think about doing that in prayer with one of our prayer ministers after the service today. Or if you prefer, I'd be happy to uh, email back and forth with you and, and enter into a conversation about that. But don't let the opportunity slip by. The last part of our passage this morning is the meeting together, the communal relationship. Verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to love and good, good works. And let us not give up meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another. Or another translation puts it like this, let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. Or here's my favorite, which I, for the first time, came across this past week from The Message. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love. Isn't that great? We're called to be inventive in love as Christians. The dictionary says that that to be inventive is to be able to create or design new things or to think originally. I looked it up. And I feel like God has given us, his church, the biggest kick in the butt ever, in my lifetime at least, to do that as we've been going through this pandemic. God is spurring us on, and it's not comfortable for us, but we are responding to his call, and we're doing that together. Over the past two months at Courtright, we've seen more people than ever before in our congregation engage creatively in loving and caring for each other. In a staff meeting this past week, we agreed that that we've seen about 10 times as many people as usual over that period step into leadership of one kind or another. We've seen more people than ever tuning into worship services. Now, we've known all along that the church is not the building, but it's like that knowledge has now become lived experience for us and not of our own choosing, right? God brought this into our lives. And I wonder, is it possible that in the past we have decided what our structure would be like and our strategies for pursuing the mission God has given us primarily based on our building and that now we're being spurred on in a different direction? Because we've had to be inventive over the past 10 weeks. We created neighborhood groups and artists in quarantine. We moved all of our youth and children's ministry online. So how can we continue to be inventive like that? During talk back after the service today and over the next two weeks in our groups, neighborhood groups and other small groups, we're going to get creative about envisioning that together because we really want to hear from you. And of course, we're looking forward to the day when we can worship 
together again in this building and sit on that comfortable chair over there. But we're never going back to normal. And that's okay. That's even good. Let's be creative, original, inventive. Let's do it together. What is the new thing that the Holy Spirit is calling us to? I hope you'll be involved in that discussion because the day we are all looking forward to and the day that this passage refers to at the end and says is approaching is the day when Jesus will return. He will come once and for all to set things right, to heal every broken heart, and there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering. That is the day that he's asking us to keep in view most of all. That is the source of our hope. And through all that we're experiencing right now, all the challenges, that is what enables us to say thanks be to God. Amen.